one. When is the last time any of you have bought a pair of gym shoes? Must be a long time ago, and it wasn't at Foot Locker. Dragging down Nike, ninth down day in a row for Nike. Retail, not looking good. Once looking good, we got a good story about that one. Michael Houston, 835, to give us a view from across the pond. And, of course, we got to talk about NVIDIA, like the whole world knows it's going to beat after the close. It's Wednesday, the middle of the week, and it's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors around the world. Well, we're starting out in the green by eight and three quarters handles at 44.08. 18 handles off that pre-market high, 25 and a quarter. Uh, the box still strong, up almost 33 cents and 103.80. Won't stop. Bonds getting a bounce up three quarters of a point, 119 and 330 seconds. Crude taking a hit down a buck 21 at 79.43. Gold trying to muster a rally up 670 at 1932.70. Silver up more than four times on a percentage basis. That's uh, up 48 cents, 23.93. And Bitcoin trying to get over six, uh, 26K. The futures are up 200 bucks at 25,930. Dennis, when have you bought a new pair of gym shoes? Where did you buy them? It's a couple years ago, and I don't know where my wife shops because I don't like going to the stores. So she just buys a size 12. They show up on my doorstep. I'm pretty sure they come probably from the Amazon truck. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it is affecting, definitely affecting. It's been a long time since I've been in a Foot Locker. And holy cow, have we, we got this one right forever. We've hated this stock since $45. I've called it a value trap. It is a value trap. People are getting punished for owning it today, and it's deserved because the writing has been on the wall for Foot Locker for a very, very long time. It's down 31% today. This is a disaster. Bring on money, Mitch, because we need to know the details of this report. I know he's got the trusty Benzinga Pro open right now to let us know all the dirt on the Foot Locker shoes. Yeah, let's get into the complete retail disaster, right? And, and this is not just Foot Locker, right? Let's talk about it. Foot Locker Q2 EPS at four cents in line. Sales at 1.86 billion, missing the 1.88 billion estimate. Of course, they're trading lower, reporting a Q2 revenue miss here and an 11% rise in inventory. The company also lowered its gross margin guidance, citing more aggressive markdowns. Foot Locker updated 23 sales guidance down 6.5 and 8% down to 8 and 9% now. And the company also suspended its quarterly dividend. All not looking good here for Foot Locker. Yeah. So, and again, you just look here and this was a company that made significant amounts of money. And now it's making four cents in the quarter coming in line. The, it's just falling off a cliff. Earnings are falling off a cliff here. This has been the classic example of a value trap. People jumping in for that nice 8% dividend. Well, it would be 10% today, but unfortunately, it has now moved to zero because they've suspended the dividend. I don't anticipate any of them giving that dividend back anytime soon because the company is not making any money. So it's just the writing is on the wall here. This thing is like i know there's people who are attracted to buying stocks that are down 31 percent. but what i can tell you is stocks that go down 30 percent often go down more i tweeted this morning was down 28 um that i thought it could go down further it's now down 31 sink could continue is there a balance in store nothing goes straight to zero nothing goes straight to single digits but i think footlocker i think by the end of the year i'm gonna make a bold call here by the end of the year single digits, single digits. Yeah, loses another six bucks by the end of the year. That's where I'm thinking Foot Locker is going. The trend is absolutely not your friend. 
how many year low are we in here? I oh, mean, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, uh, yeah. Well, try thirteen years. Thirteen year low. Yeah, if you had an order out at fifteen sixty three back in November of two thousand ten, and you left it good till canceled. <laughs> <laughs> You got it today. You got it today. So the pre-market low is 1555. The other lows in the 14 handle. You know who started this? There's a stock that we haven't talked. We we talk about it occasionally, but there was a stock in a, a in the retail in shoes that came out with a great report. Maybe that last quarter, the quarter before, and it absolutely got hammered. And it rallied back, and then it got hammered again. Do you guys know what stock that is? Is it on on? Uh, no. I, oh, and oh, and we could talk about that too. That's still holding up here. It's only down sixty-eight cents. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to it? hold up. What stock was it? Uh, do I have? I don't have the chat up. I bet you the chat gets it. Uh, so, it, we we kind of make fun of it, but I'll tell you, Crocs. Oh yes, Crocs and Crocs had Shoes a good holes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I tell mean, you Crocs still printing money. You know, I don't know. I Crocs. don't know. I don't want this stock now. That's a big head and shoulders. I'm not buying any retailers really. Like I'm not <laughs> a big retail or banks. You know, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm not a huge fan of retailers unless it's Amazon or banks. Pretty much, period. Except you know, the Canadian banks. I'm starting to warm up to because they're starting to come down to ridiculously low valuations. But the Crocs, I mean, they reported pretty good. I'm just going to the numbers from last quarter, Joe. You're right. 359 versus 297. They blew it away. I mean, what is the PE on Crocs? And again, this is the problem. You get into this game with, you know, you could say that when Foot Locker was of <laughs> 10, it looked pretty attractive. Now the PE is going to have the little infinity sign when they stop making money. I don't think Crocs is in that same ballpark as Foot Locker, though. PE oh. is, man, I'd like to buy Crocs, but I ain't doing it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> What's it at? Five? Six? It's eight. The PE is eight. Eight, eight, yeah. But if the E comes down, then the P is going to come down, and that's obviously what uh, they that's did. Uh, they did a merger. But uh, anyways, I mean, Foot Locker, and this is weighing on Nike. Nike, this is uh, had nine down days in a row. We nine talked about times. that. Yeah, nine now in, times. Now nine times. Double digits. Double digits for Nike here. You're taking out. I mean, you just might as well talk about well, COVID lows quite a ways away for Nike. But uh, yeah, we're yeah. way down there at 82. But does it eventually have a date with that? It's possible. The one thing okay. Nike is going starting to go direct to consumer here. Yes. Is there a you know a chance that you know Nike turns it around? I would rather bet on Nike than Foot Locker. I'll tell you that much because I don't think that Foot Locker. You know, there's always that one in a million, but I don't think there's a hell of a lot of chance. Could Foot Locker bounce a buck or two? Yeah, I could do anything, but I mean, it could fall another buck or two, too. But I still think longer term, Foot Locker's in a whole world of Do you trouble. see the size of their stores Foot in Locker? the malls? Yeah. No, they're big they're stores. Gi- they? Yeah, they're gigantic. Yeah, they're all full of shoes that people aren't buying. There's nobody in those stores. Two, three, four hundred dollars shoes? I mean, come on. I mean paying that yeah. for it but uh, it's just the fact that you, the younger generation is not scared to buy all of their clothes and their shoes online, online. they're Everybody. not scared like we and you joel we want to go try the shirt on or whatever well not me anymore i'm kind of done with that too laura's got me just you know delivering the clothes to the door but i go extra large shirt size 12 shoe yeah it would be good to shoes go. are tough go. though shoes they are, tough. are because they, I have a wide foot too, so I'm like, I yeah. get a size 12 shoe, and it's like it's just not comfortable. So you're absolutely correct; it is kind of tough. But I just think shoe if store. you're buying the dip here in Foot Locker, I think you're gonna feel the pain that the last buy the dippers felt, and we can take that right back to last quarter when the stock went from 42 to 32. Then it just slowly leaked for the full quarter, and now it gaps down again. I mean, it's just an awful story. All right, let's move forward to some other retailers. Of course, we got tons to go through. Let's go to Kohl's. Kohl's, and then also we could bring in a couple together. Of course, Macy's reported yesterday. So let's first compare yeah. Kohl's with Macy's. Then we can go to some smaller department stores like Urban and Abercrombie. Kohl's EPS here, 52 cents beats the 22 cent estimate. Sales of 3.9 billion beat the 3.69 billion estimate. 
but then they reaffirmed the decrease in full year 23 sales, including the impact of the 53rd week, which is worth approximately 1%, uh, expecting operating margins of approximately 4% and sees EPS of $2.10 to $2.70 versus a consensus of $2.38. Now, I did want to state a little bit about that just because I know a lot of people are like, what? 53rd week? Yeah, this year has 53 weeks. Um, it's one of the, the few that, that have work? it. Um, so work? if the year starts on a Thursday oh, this is or is in a leap year that starts on a Wednesday, that particular year will have 53 numbered weeks. Wow. Look so if at you that. noticed, if I you notice why that. you have a little bit of extra cash maybe in your checking account right now, it might be because you had that extra payday. <laughs> There you go. You get that extra payday. Uh, I thought Macy's could bounce this. They did not at all. They just continued to hammer oh, it. Nice, Coles was a pretty good report, but it's already leaking here. For some reason, they've been giving Coles a pass lately, though. Um, I was longing for a long time. I ate the loss. Obviously, should have held on because I would have got a lot of the losses back. But, you know, shrink is an issue for all these companies here, too. Talking about, you know, theft and, you know, whether it's organized or just people coming in. And you know, putting something in their pocket. Everybody's talking about the Macy CEO said it's a serious issue. We had obviously DKS yesterday saying it's a serious issue. I mean, the margins are thin on some of these companies here. And when you got you know theft, that hits the bottom line directly. So I don't know. They got to figure out a way to stop the theft. I mean, I, I've seen the videos, you know, of these you know groups of organ. It looks like almost organized where there's you know these groups of you know 20, 30, 40 people coming in just stealing everything and then breaking and leaving. I mean, it seems insane that that happens in the USA. It seems crazy to me. I don't know how you stop it, but they got to figure out a way to stop it because it's killing these retailers. Big pop in Kohl's, and you're right. The fade is on. Got almost to yesterday's high. 27.50 uh, is your pre-market high. 27.61. I think people are caught from yesterday's price action, right? Uh, you know, following Macy's lower uh, I just think it's really important for this to stay green today. It did settle near the low of the session. So you have 53 cents. So uh, right now it's it's holding in there, has the gains. But if it comes down to unchanged or goes red on the session, I think people will be selling in the strength in Kohl's. And also you really haven't had a meeting, uh, meaningful retracement. Oh, wow, this was a teeny bopper in June. Wow, 18 to 30, let's call it. That's a 12-point move. He takes six of that, maybe 24 bucks. The only place with a couple lows in the same area is 25. Let's keep going. Let's move to apparel stores. Now I want to get sure. into that uh, topic. Let's go Urban Outfitters, and let's do Abercrombie together. Yeah, do them together. So Q2 EPS for Urban Outfitters is at $1.10, beating the $0.89 cent estimate. Sales of $1.27 billion beat the $1.25 billion estimate. And total inventory decreased by 15.9% year-over-year as of July 31st. And I was thinking, you know, Urban... Got the pop, that, uh, got the drop there. Will Abercrombie do the same? Let's take a look there. Good. You can see Abercrombie. Bigger. It, this one was interesting here. Q2 EPS at $1.10 beats the $0.17 cent estimate. Who gave that estimate, man? <laughs> Sales of $935.3 million beat the $842.38 million estimate. Abercrombie & Fitch sees full-year 23 revenue growth of 10% and sees Q3 revenue growth in the low double digits. Looks like everybody traded in Coles and Macy's for Abercrombie & Fitch. Well, we need to get Ryan Craver back on this show and just like, oh, why? Yep. Why is Urban and ANF so much different? Why are yeah, they that killing was confusing it? These to other me. companies are not killing it. Is they just the store setups are different? Like I don't know enough because I don't go to any of these stores. Maybe the chat can tell us. But why? It's the same question I've had for years. Why is Dillard's? And I asked Ryan that. You know, why is Dillard's so much better than Nordstrom and obviously Macy's and Kohl's and we could even go to J.C. Penney's and Sears? Like why is Dillard's? You know, just sitting up here near all-time highs and going up a thousand percent in the last. You know, so it's, it's, there's separations. So some of these retailers are actually doing well. I can't really figure out why, but they're working. And I mean, Abercrombie and Fitch is dang close to an all-time high. That's unbelievable 
in this environment here. So, um, all right, what do you want to do first? You just, yeah, we covered quite a few stocks here. Uh, let's, I just want to do the urban real quick because I know we, we got to we'll talk about the AF, Dennis, a little bit more. Um, I see we popped up to 3650 here, Rebecca, 3558. I mean, you got to do a reset here at 36 bucks. I mean, there's a, there was a low in that area and then three highs in a row. So let's see if there's a challenge at 36 here, and then you can look at the pre-market high. Um, ANF, I remember I used to go to those stores, totally have changed their composition over the years. I'll just go with the, if uh, 49 bucks is your target, well... The all-time high should have been your targeting in NVIDIA yesterday. You could have gotten that off the open. So, I don't know. Get up to that 49. I don't know where to buy this. Someone's stepping up a little bit at 47. So, that's just uh, that's just support on the shorter-term chart. I'm not chasing any retailers, though. I mean, if you want to buy best of breed, you can see Urban and ANF appear to be best of breed. But... It's just been a tough retail trade all around. And I mean, this might take us into a couple other ones. It's like retailer. We're in retail earnings season, which is why we're talking so many of them here. We got to talk Peloton here because it's another disaster stock of the day. It's now down 28%. Joel, did you ta- talk to Lisa? But did you, did you, did you, did you no, ever get rid of this one? No, she's, I'm just, she's buying holding this forever. You washed yep. yourself of it at $100. So yeah. you're forgetting hey, on hey, this. Hey, $130. I want that. $130 when you pleaded for her to sell it, but it was her stock. This is Joel's wife. Yep. It's her stock, so it's her losses. This is not uh, on Joel. I don't, I don't even think it's in an account that has my name on it. Oh, there you so, go. So yeah, nothing even, you can do about yeah, it. Yeah. It's like when not, I stick the bad ones in my wife's RSP. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you this. I try to give her good ones. Go ahead, Joel. I just asked Dennis, you didn't want to talk ANF anymore? No, no, we're good. Well, I'll tell you, I'll I'll keep a peak eye open for AEO, but I don't know if that's going to get the pop. I I mean, you flip a coin. You know what I mean? Because they're they're so compared to ANF. I used to pair trade AEO, ANF, so I don't do it as much anymore. But maybe I should start pair trading those two again because the charts do look similar. Let's get back to the bike action, right? And um, yeah. let's get back to Peloton here. EPS came in at a loss of 68 cents, missing the loss of 38 cent estimate. Sales of 642.1 million beat the 639.9 million estimate. Uh, Q4 connected subscriptions grew 4% year over year, but declined 29% quarter over quarter due to seasonal slowdown in hardware sales and higher than anticipated CF subscription churn. Um, they see total revenues at 580 million to 600 million versus a 655.92 million estimate. So revenues looking down here, and then ending paid connected fitness subscriptions still at 2.95 million to 2.96 million. They have subscriptions here. That's why I'm still leaning that I'm ready for that lunch bet that we still have on. You know, Peloton do gets we have a bought lunch out. Bet on this? Yeah, remember we have this. Joel no, and I, I are on the lunch that. bet, man. What is it? I hope that, I'm there. That Peloton, you, you said Peloton would get, you know, just go to zero. Go to zero. Bankrupt. And then we said they would get bought out. I, I never say zero. I say bankrupt. Yeah, bankrupt. Because that doesn't never mean say zero. zero. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you could still but buy no, a stock. What, for a what did you have, Mitch? So I had bankrupt. What did you? Oh, have? I'm I'm on Peloton getting bought out because of things like this, oh, yeah. where I see the subscriptions being so high. If you can have subscri- subscribers. So we that's what a lot think of companies look It's going down like. though. We just think we just think so. We both think it's going down. We just think you're gonna think it'll buy out eventually. And I'm thinking yeah, just you're thinking it'll buy out at a buck, <laughs> and I'm thinking it's bankrupt. Um, but they they did something with that. Uh, the one bullish thing is is they did, and I'm not I'm looking at a pro here. Did they do something with the colleges and you and their first deals with the University of Michigan? Did you see that, Mitch? Yeah. I know I saw it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Twitter was I know, tweeting it at you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? On yeah, Twitter? Or, at you. He's rising really? a little bit there. Oh, you know what? I, I'm hardly. I'm, I now I have to pay for TweetDeck. Do you yeah. know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you like, do got to pay it. You got to pay for TweetDeck. So pay I mean, for that's, everything on Twitter's. Musk has ruined Twitter. Let's call it what it is. That's this headline here where Peloton is forging deals with colleges, starting with Michigan. Peloton kicks off college strategy featuring co-branded bikes. Michigan deal will bring Peloton bikes to football sidelines. 
Ooh, yeah. on the side. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. This is yeah. going to turn this company around. I don't think so. Sorry. You know, this is how, this is how poor Twitter so, is. Joel, we should talk we, we, just before you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just saying Twitter is so poor because I just went to Twitter to see what Jay tweeted at me. And I have no notifications and no messages. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can't see the spinner tweet. When, when do you think? Oh, I, I think I follow Spinner too. When do you think Musk is going to shut down Twitter and just write it off as a loss? When do you think that is? Just shut I, it down. I, I honestly think he's – I don't think he's going to shut no, it down. Man. But That's his way of talking. never man. going to turn this thing profitable. I mean – the Twitter blue. So I subscribed to the Twitter blue to try to stop the fake triple Ds because when I didn't have the blue, then they were popping up <laughs> all over the place. So I literally got the check mark just so people don't get scammed off of me, off of like, you know, off of my fake followers or fake fake accounts that they create pretending to be me. So I'm trying to get the less scam. It's the only reason I bought it. But then they were saying to me, I'm going to see less ads. My tweets are going to have priority. None of that has happened. My whole thing is littered with ads. My tweets are lost in the, you know, what I say is if you do subscribe to Twitter Blue, your tweets should go to the very top. Your tweets should be like, you know, shown to everyone. Like I got my other buddy um, at, at Bray Trading. He's like, I don't even see your tweets anymore. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, he's probably on the, the For You tab. And not the following tab because it defaults to for you. And then it just shows a bunch of ads and, you know, what they want to sell where, you know, the following tab is what you, you're actually following. But everybody, the default is for you. So it's brutal. Everything about Twitter and now even the name change to X is just stupid. He is ruining Twitter. It maybe wasn't great when he took over. The spam is out of hand, though. Like you can't search a ticker. You go on the ticker and you hit the latest and it's just all spam. The spam has increased exponentially. He was supposed to knock it back. It's increased, I feel like, tenfold since he took over. It absolutely, he has ruined Twitter. All right, let's love, go to... Love Elon Musk, but he has not run Twitter well at all. Let, let's get out of Twitter talk. Let's go to advanced auto parts as I want to take a look at this. And we've, we've talked about this, the worst of breed for oh, sure. And it just oh, what continues. Q2 EPS at $1.43 misses $1.66 estimate. Sales of $2.69 billion beat the $2.66 billion estimate. They named former Home Depot executive CEO... We'll see how that makes an effect, but revised their fiscal 23 outlook revenues at 11.25 billion to 11.35 billion. Now at uh, a prior one was 11.2 to 11.3. So they're just pretty much in line here with their estimates. Uh, not much changing until you get to the EPS. EPS here at $4.50 to $5.10 versus a $5.92 estimate. Comparable sales were up 0.5%, uh, up from 1% uh, flat prior, uh, but doesn't look good at all. And I mean, we've been seeing how inflation also is bringing down uh, used car prices. So it just doesn't look good here. I mean, the trend here is just absolutely not your friend and we've seen in this market and in the market for the last decade the weak get weaker and the strong get stronger it's why nvidia is relentless it's why you know you can't catch a bid and a lot of these other value trap names some of it's fundamentally related but a lot of it's just momentum and the bots and the people and the retail just don't want to buy stocks that are going down they only want to buy stocks going up and that's just the way we are now you know maybe it changed you know with a lot of, you know, books that came out, you know, to buy strong stocks and sell weak ones. Obviously, we know, you know, Gil Morales has obviously subscribed to that theory for a long time. Um, it's just AAP. Look at this chart and you just think like, why? Stocks near a 52-week low, not even a 52-week low. You got to go out to the weeklies to, you know, see this. You got to go out to the monthlies. I keep going further. Well, that almost doesn't do it either. So now you're doing the seven, 10-year low thing. Don't buy stocks at 10-year lows. It usually doesn't work out. Uh, June low was uh, 63.56. Uh, boy, what a pop. It got over $71. And I don't know if anyone was looking at their dailies, but you had four highs, uh, or excuse me, three highs in the $71 area. Then you've turned it around. Now you're right. You're trading right at yesterday's low. 
So it needs to catch a bounce immediately, trade it down 49 cents. You do have a number after that, 63.56. That was your low uh, back in June. And uh, what, what's the strong ones? O'Reilly. O'Reilly up there. That's where everyone goes. O'Reilly Auto Parts. AZO, baby. AZO. Yeah, man. AZO. Zone. Get uh, in the zone. It's, really it's, Dillard's versus, it's Dillard's versus Macy's. It's, you know, there's just <laughs> something like that all the time. It's Lululemon yeah. versus. Hey, Dennis, watch your bids here. We're about to go red on the session. We've given back all those gains. We were up, uh, we're coming back on unchanged here, coming back on the pre market low at uh, 43.99.50. That's a good level just because the close was at 99 and a quarter. Okay, let's get through one more here. VinFast Auto, as everybody was watching this one yesterday. VFS, of course. We've been talking a little bit about this. Shares were jumping on Tuesday following a Reuters report suggesting SGI, which supplies magnets for VinFast, is investing $80 million in its new Vietnam factory with production starting in 2024. Getting the lift here. I don't know about this one. I don't trust it one bit. No, it's all just nonsense. This VFS is just casino stock. Like, it's all over the place. It's on headlines. It's the low float. It's got a market cap twice of board. I mean, huh. it's bigger than GM, Stellantis. You know, we've seen, we've talked about yeah, all this. Yeah, man. It's, they could go it's wherever it wants. It's just a number on the screen. You know, if you're buying this for fundamentals, I think you're going to be very disappointed two years from now. I don't know if you're going to be disappointed two days from now. Stocks that's just disconnected from fundamentals can go anywhere. Yeah. It's completely disconnected. Go to 30, go to 100, go to two, could do anything. This is pure gambling if you're buying or selling this thing. Pure gambling. And again, you know, maybe, you know, this is your cup of tea and you like to gamble. Maybe you're in the stock market just for the casino aspects of it. And a lot of it is a casino. Don't kid yourself. So this is full casino. But I mean, if you want to do it technically, made a new high yesterday. That's good news. So, you know, the bad news is there's no fundamental, there's no value investor to hold, but the float's really small. It's like a low float. There's no yeah. locate. There's no locates. Like I looked around. I, I can't find a locate. Let me know, Chad, if you guys got locates, but I can't find a locate on this thing. So, I mean, there's no shorts keeping it in check, so it could go anywhere. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't even do technicals on this one. I mean, it's just. There's no price discovery, right? Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's... price discovery. It's just not based on anything. <laughs> yeah, you just, I mean, what are you doing it on? It's just, oh, it could go up to 80, 90. Well, uh, guess, but... Who knows, man? I, I can't do technicals on this either. Just this day, Joe. Like, it, there's just no, no there's no edge there. There's I'd no say, I'd say there's a lot of people that would love to get out at the mark right now, 36.72, if you took this home overnight, but uh. That's it. All time closing high, I believe. Wild six. Yeah. yeah. It's um speaking it's not of, a shock for speaking for of wild show. stocks that are reconnecting with fundamentals, AMC fully oh, man. that has fully reconnected. It is now down to two dollars. The apes, I guess the apes won, kind of, but not really either, because there's people who are long apes saying it was gonna go up to where AMC was. Unfortunately for the ape holders, the AMC came down. To where ape was so it does look like the apes are going to win that they're going to get their amc shares if you were short amc and long ape maybe you're making money i say maybe because that borrow rate on the amc was so high it depends how long you were holding it for because last time i looked and i'm sure the amc but i can go look again just looking at interactive brokers i want to go see what the borrow rate is you know what it costs to borrow right now at amc what it costs to borrow joel take a wild guess what the borrow rate is 40%. Percent. What are you guessing? 40. Higher. 60. Higher. Triple digits. Higher. No, not tri it's it's triple digits, but you got it way high. Hey, Dennis, You're could not you even close. 200. The, the board higher. 300. Higher. 500. Higher. 800. Higher. 900. Lower. It's like crazy. Right. Right. 840% is the borrow rate on AMC right now. What does that mean? It means if you hold this for an entire year, you owe 840%. So it is an incredible amount of money to be short this stock. 
that is, you know, the difficulty in, you know, the ARB trade here because the ARBs are trying to get the borrow because they thought eventually it was going to work. And maybe it did. But if you held this for more than a few months, you may actually have still lost money because you're picking up 50% on the AMC short, but 840% a year. I'm sure there's other brokers that are cheaper, that, but that is the current rate right now in Interactive Brokers, which is a pretty big brokerage. 840% is the borrow rate on that puppy. That is incredible. Got to look at that. If you're just blindly short in stocks, make sure you know what you're paying to hold those things. What's that All work right. out to? 2% a day? 2.5% a, a day? Yeah, that's, I think that's the highest I've, I've ever heard. Five weeks, 50%. If you held that and it was that 840%, you have more than five weeks, you paid 50%. Wow. I just can't short stocks like that. It may as well not be borrowable when the borrow rate's that high. Crazy. Let's go to Tesla. It looks like there was some news uh, that's interesting. It was out this morning. We'll see if it's really affecting Tesla. You can see it's already down. Wonder if this is the big news here that's actually dragging this. Of course, Elon Tesla's reportedly asked the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, of course, the NHTSA, to withhold specific details about the use of its driver assistance software in car involved in crashes. Um, so this was reported by Business Insider and citing from the New Yorker. So looks like there's some issues that could be coming forward with FSD. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know, but it's down five bucks here. It had a nice pop up. I thought there was going to be resistance up at 250, but it never got up there. It got to 240. It was a market. It, it was it was a market too yesterday. Yeah, we went, I mean, what Nvidia. Nvidia, yeah. they pulled the rug. Yeah. Good call, Money Mitch, because I heard it's you on your banks, show. The banks, man. The banks, man. Trading. I heard Money Mitch saying, he said it on our show too, that he was leaning towards Nvidia opened at the high and oh, it yeah. almost kissed the same price. So if you look, 480.88 was the all time high and it made a new high by a buck and then it tanked 25 bucks on it. So I don't know if you were in there, Money Mitch, but it was a definitely a good call by you. Yeah. Um, look nice pullback here. Obviously, all of this is just trading action ahead of the print because it's going to be yeah. the print that matters. What is the expected move on NVIDIA? I got to go look at my options. Do you guys just know offhand so I don't have to go look it up? Again, if you want to look this up, you just add up the calls and the puts at the closest strike. That'll give you what the expected move is. We could go to like NVIDIA. We go to our options chain. Options aren't open go right to now. Options so AI, man. Well, you can do that too. So four, take the 455s. <laughs> oh, it looks like 20, 49 bucks. It looks like $49. Yeah, 49 or $50. Yeah, 26 and 24. Yeah, 50 bucks. It's a $50 expected move. Wow. Oh, man. So, Dennis, explain crazy. that a little bit more detail with uh, as far as potential support and resistance. Yeah, so you take the 50. So you'd say if it closes, and again, NVIDIA is not going to close at 459 because it's wild. So we don't know where it's going to close today. But let's say hypothetically close at 459. That would mean the expected move is down to 410 or 510. That's your range, you know, going right back to our, our, our obviously, you know, looking at, you know, that expected move. So 50 down or 50 up. So you'd think you'd find support around 410. You'd think you'd find a resistance around 510 if they beat. But, you know, we know last quarter they really blew it away. But, man, 50 bucks, huge expected move. 11% that works out, too. Thank you, Lori and Ben. Yeah, I got I I got it here at least pulled up really quickly. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I I see nine point three. Um, but just that's just from Option AI. Of course, they're gonna calculate it probably a little it's bit better. It's moving than we are. too. Remember, we it's got moving, options. So, yeah. So the options are closed. They don't reopen. So we're 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 quoting a closed market right now from where it closed. So obviously there's adjustments and stuff. But yeah, they'll adjust. You can it. see, and that might have been from you know yesterday's close. I don't know. I'm just grabbing mm -hmm. it from the current price in the stock. But the options are closed. You can see it's roughly fifty bucks. Yeah. And I, I like if, if Go ahead, I'm Joe. just going back to the uh, just real quick for the NVIDIA traders out there. If you thought you missed the big move from uh, 212 to 240, you had a 38 point move there. Right. Uh, half of that is 19. Man, you've already given back more than 50 percent of that. So um, next daily low, if you're looking for more, 220.58 is your two day low. And if you're looking for a gap fill which it very well may do because you get sympathetic buyers in here. Yesterday's low, two, 229.56. All right, team, let's go ahead. We're going to go to our guest time now. You guys smash the like. Let's go across the pond and take a look.
Should I say good? Should I say good afternoon to you, sir, instead of good morning? You can say whatever you like, uh, Joel. <laughs> you can say whatever you like. How are you? We're How doing, are you? Good morning well, to you. Yes, thanks for joining us here, uh, CMC Market uh, Analyst. And um, also, I I looked on your Twitter feed, and uh, I didn't know you were you had won such uh, prestigious awards three out of four years in a row. Uh, that was, yeah. that's, the, that's a pretty big deal there. Why don't you tell the audience the, the, the award that you won three out of yeah. the last four years? Yeah, it's the, it's the professional traders awards. It's a, it's a magazine here in the UK and it's basically voted on by the traders who read the magazine. And, um, I've won that award three times out of the last four. Oh, congratulations. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Lucky to have you. Let's just say that much. Well, hopefully, hopefully I'll continue to, um, keep, uh, keep my clients in the know and well-informed. Obviously, helping helping in that is talking to export, experts such as yourself. Well, thank you. And, and our expert uh, chat as well gives some great mm. input. So there's a lot of numbers that come out at like 8.30, as we well know, right? The uh, CPI, PPI, and employment. But uh, you want to talk about the PMI, I believe, is out oh. at like 9.45 or 10 uh, this morning. Uh, boy, oh boy, we're getting... Man, we're getting some conflicting data here as far as, you know, recession, no recession, higher interest rates, lower interest rates. Uh, we could go into that on a, in, in one quick second. But tell us what it's the S&P Global PMI flash for August 945. Talk about how you follow that number and the implications. Well, certainly for me, I think it's, you know we have to be careful about how much we read into these PMIs because they're diffusion indexes. So essentially, they just measure the difference between one month and the next. But this morning, um, here in Europe, we got some real shockers, um, particularly out of Germany. Um, the manufacturing sector there has been struggling for some time. And what's really, I think, been keeping the economy float here in Europe as well as the UK has been the services sector, and it's been performing fairly well. The UK economy um, expanded in June alone by 0.5%. Second quarter GDP, 0.2% expansion. However, since then, economic activity has pretty much fallen off a cliff. We've seen a significant drop not only here in the UK in services PMIs, but we've seen it in France and Germany as well. And if you extrapolate that out over the rest of the quarter, we're looking at a two-tenths two contraction in economic activity. Um, and that suggests that what I've long suspected, that the long tail of monetary policy tightening is now starting to kick in with a vengeance. And I think the big concern here now is what it means for future monetary policy, not only from the Federal Reserve, but more importantly, from the ECB and the Bank of England. Now, you know, we've heard a whole host of Fed policymakers talk up the prospect of a simple pause in September before another rate hike at, by before the end of the year. I just, I just can't buy into that narrative. I really can't. Um, and I think the same applies to the ECB. They could, they could well pause in September. And the Bank of England, we're, we're talking about the potential for another two rate hikes. Well, with PMIs like that, I wouldn't even be entertaining one, let alone two. So things are slowing down over there. Yeah, significantly uh, so. Significantly so. Things are kind of slow. I mean, in the retail sector, things are kind of slowing down here. So, well, it depends, yeah. I guess, the, the housing stocks. Are so so what are the implications for the Fed and for interest rates for, for the U.S. markets? Well, I think they're flattening out. I think really at the moment, the, the, the narrative has really been, I think, um, not so much about, when rates are, how, how far, how high rates are going to go, but how long they're going to stay at current levels. Now, at the moment, obviously, you've got the back end of the yield curve starting to move higher as people price in interest rates for longer. But if the data continues to go in the direction that it has been, and we're only talking one, sets of, one set of data here, so, you know, we've got to be a little bit too careful, you know, sort of drawing the dots, you know, going from A to B to C to D to E. I think if the data continues to slow in the way that it has been, and we, we've, we've still got an awful lot of monetary policy lag to price in, then we could actually start to see rate cuts start to get brought forward from the back end of 2024 
to the front end of 2024. At the moment, that's not happening. Um, you know, the Fed fund, the, the, the Fed's got, I think, the Fed funds rate 4.6 by the end of next year, if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, and 5.6 by the end of this year. So you're certainly you're certainly looking at the prospect of at least one percent rate cuts between now and the end of next year. That could increase. Now, of course, one thing that, of course, you guys are seeing in Britain and also we're seeing it here is the cost of living, right? Mm. And and how that's just staying sticky. Um, I yeah. see it all around right now. And uh, Toll Brothers just reported they're saying that they're still able to make so much money on this. And I think this is, has more to do with the housing cost mm. of inflation driving higher, not necessarily the supply that's out there also and the demand, because at least over here, demand is dropping. How is demand in Britain and, of course, and how is this affecting the inflation situation? Demand actually has been fairly resilient. If you look at retail sales numbers for most of this year, they've actually been fairly positive if you obviously strip out the one last month where we saw a seven-tenth contraction. But that was volume. In terms of actual spending money, um, retail sales expenditure has been rising. And if you actually look at the FTSE 350 Retailers Index, that's up 15% year to date. Uh, you know, and I think it goes to the fact that I think wage growth here is actually fairly resilient. And that's what's making underlying inflation so sticky. Mm. Average wage growth here is 7.8%, including bonuses, it's 8.2%. And I think that's cushioning some of the effect. And what's happening is that wage growth now here is started to move above core inflation. What needs to happen now is for core inflation to continue to come down and wage growth to just plateau and obviously come down slightly more slowly than core inflation. And that should actually bring some of that demand back. How long that's going to take remains to be seen. But obviously, because of the, um, the fiscal drag as well that we've got as part of higher taxes that we're paying here, the consumer's being hit from both sides. Not only from the fiscal side and having to pay higher rates of tax, but also because of the lag effect of the number of rate hikes that um, haven't as yet started to filter down into the real economy. All right, it's so hard, we talk it's about- It's hard for those people just to come and like, you know, the wage growth is sticky, like you said, like people get a, uh, people get a raise, they see that they're paying more for stuff, even if they're not, even if all of a sudden inflation dropped 2%, and they're, it's not gonna be as obvious to the consumer. The consumer is always gonna use selective perception. They say, I'm still paying more for stuff. Sure, you are. Absolutely. Yeah, and they, and, and I think that, that and I think that's a good thing that you know we are that wage growth is sticky because ultimately we've had 18 months of real, you know, real earnings losses in terms of yes. how much money you can spend. So I think there needs to be an offset to that. And I don't think central banks need to be as aggressive when it comes to combating that. They need to they need to basically, you know, sort of refine a balancing act when it comes to trying to keep a lid on inflation. At the same time as bringing inflation down. I mean, over there, you know, in the US, those UPS, that UPS settlement is absolutely mind-boggling. $170,000 to drive a UPS delivery truck. I'll have some I'm of that. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. I'll have some of that. Go, yeah. Give me a job, mate. <laughs> okay, I know, so I know it. Let's, uh, let's just talk about, you know, seasonality. Right. Mm. And August is, you know, historically. August know, is always a slow month. It's the school holidays. Slow month, right? People are on holiday. You know. Well, the bulls are on a holiday. I, I don't know about the bears. I think the bulls stayed at their desk here. But, but consumers uh, are on holiday as well, Joel. You know, and yeah. I think that's, you know, and businesses tend to wind down in August anyway. So, you know, I think there's an element that if we look to, you know, if we, if we micromanage the data too much, we start to miss the wood for the trees. I'll be very interested to see how things pan out over the course of the rest of the year. I'm not expecting to see a stronger performance in the second half of the year as the first half. And I think as long as unemployment remains low, I think the best we can hope for is stagnation, if you like. I mean, if that's a good thing, it's certainly preferable to recession. So you're looking at this August price action and the activity for the you know for the year so far. Mm. You think it's probably maybe as good as it gets. That this is not you know like we just had a 300 point sell off in the S and P's. Uh, some of the big tech stocks have uh, you know pulled back significantly uh, from their uh, their recent highs. So 
you're not you're not as inclined here to buy the dip. If you're not as inclined to buy the dip here, where do you where do you where do you think the the trading action is going? How how low do you think the S and P or whatever you like to use as a standard? Uh, what are you looking at from a technical perspective? I, I think it's very strange that we're placing so much stock on the results of one AI <laughs> chip company, Nvidia. Yeah. Um, you know, when when I look at when I look at the numbers for Nvidia, they are impressive. You know, they're they're talking about Q2 revenue of 11 billion dollars. You know, and when you consider that in Q1 they turned over 7.1 billion dollars, and for Q2 the data center component alone is expected to contribute 7.9 billion of that 11 billion dollars. For me, I think it's about how they project going forward for Q3 and Q4. That's a big, big jump in revenue. The big question for me is whether or not that translates into a big jump in profitability and how much capacity they have to generate further additional revenue growth. And I think to some extent, and I could be way off base here, I've looked at the options uh, here. Um, I, I feel that an awful lot of the good news is priced in and anything that comes in slightly below expectations could see the swings that you were talking about earlier i think it was you mitch wasn't it who, who mentioned that yeah definitely something that we're going to be looking out for uh, i think that like you said the bar is set high already mm. so uh it's going to be really interesting to see if they can even push that bar higher mm. i think it's going to uh, really take yeah. a, a, a like i would say a kick-ass report um, absolutely to, and i think to really yeah. get it back up and on keep a, it up here yeah and on a technical basis if you look at the s p and you look at the nasdaq they've crossed below their 50-day moving average they're starting to look a little bit bearish. I am a little bit concerned that there might be a little bit more downside in US markets. Less so, I think, with Europe and the UK. I think that you know the valuations here are much cheaper. So I don't think I'd be more comfortable buying the dip here than I would be in the US. Let's just say hey. that. And one last area I definitely keep a close eye on, we've been talking about it all year, is uh, oil, right? Um, yeah. We just recently saw a spike that went up there closer towards 85. The EIA said that it would be closer to 85, maybe towards 90 by the end of the year. How do you see oil here, Michael? I still think 85 is toppy. Um, I think demand is going to remain a little bit on the weak side. Obviously, there's the China story there. You know, I think it's a deliberate policy on the part of the Chinese government to try and let the air out of this real estate bubble in the most gradualistic way possible. But also, I don't think, you know, I think China's been buying cheap Iranian oil. I don't think the problem here is China. I think it's the problem with demand is with respect to the rest of the world. So I still think 75, 85 on the range for, for crude oil. I just don't think the demand is there. We've been on the line with Michael Houston. He's a chief market analyst at CMC Markets for 30 years. Uh, Michael, we always love getting a, a view from across the always pond. Always a pleasure, and, guys. Yeah, your take on the markets. We'll dial you up again soon. Michael Houston. Look forward to it. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All right. We got to catch Michael across the pond, literally, guys. We got to go across the pond and catch Michael. So uh, that would definitely be fun. Let's take a look into the markets. Also see what we're seeing. I, I know yesterday was a lot also, uh, not just retail, right? It was also the bank issues mm -hmm. that were showing mm -hmm. up. And what do you guys think about the weakness that started to show up, especially yesterday? I mean, it was already starting to leak, but I felt like yesterday they really came hard and hammered these banks what are you guys seeing out there? Well, they did. And I'm looking for my list from yesterday there because we gave the list on the show and I can't mm -hmm. find it here no, now, I but I know CMA was on there going from my memory. Yeah. That got hammered. This We're talking about the S&P downgrades of um, their credit, obviously. KeyBank got hammered. It was on the list. There was like five of them. I don't remember the other ones, but... There were some quiet, of the smaller ones, yeah. Yeah, some of them were smaller. Quietly, though, Schwab having a horrible day here again and just quietly... CNBC pointing out, I did not know this. It's been down 11 days in a row, Schwab. So they had yeah. the earnings, and everybody's like, yep, Schwab, turn around, buy it now. Buying on that strength was not a good idea because this stock overall has been in the downtrend, and it was just a bear market rally and is now giving it all back. Now you think about like 55, maybe some support here, but Schwab is a mess. I mean, there is actually a lot of trouble here for the KRE, it looks like. Again, we're back down below 45. The banks are all falling across the board. Citigroup is making new 52-week lows here, or at least approaching it. Not quite to October lows, but very close. $40, the October low. 
It had four. It's forty-one dollars in the pre-market here right now. So very close. We know Goldman and Morgan have held up a little bit better, but they're leaking now here too. The banks. If you wanted a dip, you're getting it. But man, I'm a little bit scared. People were asking me just before we leave the bank talk about some of the Canadian banks. I have I've had Bank of Montreal in my account forever because my wife worked there, so it's like a legacy position from like 15 years ago. So I've still got that. Um, I did buy take a flyer on this BNS, and if you bring it up. And the reason is, you know, it's still all the banks are somewhat risky. But remember, the Canadian banks are in a little bit different situation because they have the resets when they're loaning money out after, you know, we're only usually loaning on mortgages for five years. So, you know, you get to one, two, three years in while it's going to be a reset where they actually start making money from, you know, these like right now I I have, you know, a, a second property that I've got a small mortgage on um and it's i'm borrowing at 1.64 percent i'm with the same <laughs> bank and this is with scotia so i'm borrowing from scotia at 1.64 percent and i've got a gic at scotia at like 5.2 percent so i'm literally just like you know i slowed my payments down to as little as possible amortize as far as i can so i'm literally disturbing and when it, the variable mortgage comes due in a year and a half I've got the luxury that I can probably pay a lot of it off, but you know, a lot of people, you know, don't. So that's when the rates are going to reset and go back up and the banks start to get no better problems. So that's why the Canadian banks are in a little better shape than some of these U S banks that like 30 year mortgages, you know, that the people got the rates locked in for too long. So I'm looking at this. It's been just murdered BNS. It's now got, and, and remember one other thing is the Canadian banks. I believe this is true. There's been no, none of the big six have ever cut their dividend in their 100-year history. So it's 7.06% now, the dividend on BNS. Could they have to cut it eventually? Anything is possible. You're definitely buying weakness here, but I took a small position in it. There was people asking me about the chat, and I was looking at it. I was like, we're way back down to this 45 support. And I just don't think it's as bad as, you know, the Canadian banks are as bad as some people think they are. So 7% dividend is pretty nice. But yeah, it is. Yeah, yourself. there's there's risk. And and the other thing that I would caution on this, and I'm just, you know, looking at the, you know, relationships that we've discussed over the years and the Canadian banks, uh, for me, are hot to seem to be correlated with crude oil prices. And Somewhat. you had, yeah, yeah. And you had a the, really, the substanti- yeah. And you had a really substantial rally in the crude oil market and the banks went in the opposite direction. So I don't know if that relationship is starting to, you know, uh, have less less significance. Uh, But if it does and you get another leg down in crude, it could be a little prop, you know, a little bit more. You also have higher rates hurting small business. Like you have higher rates that businesses are borrowing at higher rates. And, you know, that could lead to some defaults too. The higher rates have implications all across the board. People keep asking, you know, this is a segue into solar stocks, but people keep asking, like, why is solar so weak? Why do they keep going down? Well, you know what I didn't, didn't ever consider? These are financing plays. Like people, you know, are getting panels or getting stuff like this. They got to get the financing to do this. And the financing is a lot tougher here now. So why is ENPH go yeah. down? It seems like every single day because the financing is a lot tighter now. So it's probably hitting their sales. It's probably going to impact that. So you just wonder, like, you know, they keep thinking the TAN's going to turn it around, but these are all financing plays. And if interest rates stay up here for the foreseeable future, these stocks could be in tough. Now, if interest rates start going down, that's going to help. And, you know, if we go into a recession, they will go down. But, I mean, right now, there's no, like, there's no real, like, you know, obvious tell when the Fed is going to lay off the tightening, you know, gas here. So How's this graphic for you? I've been holding this one. I've been holding this oh, one for that. us. Uh, this one's from uh, the Federal Reserve, and this is bank credit and the U.S. economy. So showing you how bank credit and CI loans here are coming down fast. So the lending is slowing down. So industrial loans, commercial industrial loans are going down. So I think in the long rate, this just shows you prolonged interest rates. I don't think is a good thing here for the banks. And so I'm going to continue watching. I'm worried about another regional bank having some issues. I think we run into that again somewhere down the line. No, I think it's sooner than later. So I think we're seeing it here now. I think we're going to lose some more of these regional banks. I'm going to say it. You know, media is scared to say it. We're not media. We're we're Ben Singer. We're going to say what we think. I think 
you're going to lose some more regional banks. I don't think I've it's been talking over. about it since Thursday. Look at my titles on my shows. There you go. Since, well, we've been talking about this for a while. We we said every time you bring it up, we usually say, I think you're going to lose another one. Carry had a nice rally there. I think you've got it. I think on the U.S. side, I'm more nervous on the U.S. banks. And the position I took in the bank in Nova Scotia is small. It was yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like I'm looking at stuff that I'm like, you know, I'm sitting with, you know, 55% cash. And I'm like, you know, why do I want to buy? What, you know, I should put a little bit more to work in case I'm wrong. You know, you don't want to get left in the dust. I mean, this bank in Nova Scotia is like hitting a five-year low. So you're getting back to prices that you were literally back. Well, not no, not, not a five year though, but no, not the no. 2020. You got to ignore that though. Take that, that out. Take, take that, that out. out. We got to take all those out though, because that was the COVID BS. So, but if you t- remove that, you're at like an eight year low here on the Bank of Nova Scotia. So, I don't know. I, I, it, 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 you're buying weak. You, you could have problems maybe, but I think the Canadian banks are in better shape than some of these regional U.S. ones. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up. Uh, of course, you guys can tune into some more action. Of course, next we'll be live trading with myself and, of course, Lord Ryan. You guys can always keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader. And Joel, who will we have on tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's guest, we got, we got uh, Chaking. No, Chaking was last week. You do me a little bit of a curve. Ooh, a little bit of a curve. We're up three minutes go. early. Yeah, I thought uh, we were going to do clock wrong? No. No, I thought we were going to do... We'll start the wrap-up. We'll we'll start the wrap-up here. We might throw one more stock in in between the wrap because we still have three minutes here. But (laughs) they're going to yell at us if we quit at 8.57. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we got one more stock. Grab a couple from the chat, and then Joel's going to tell us about the Well, let's just do the final outlook probably on NVIDIA, right? do that. Why don't don't you just do the final outlook on NVIDIA? It's all about NVIDIA tonight. It's all about NVIDIA We've given the expected move. It's 50 bucks. It's going to move everything. Don't kid. Like It's going to move the entire market here today. Not only tech stocks. It's probably going to move everything. So the market is really, and especially tech. I mean, think about your Marvell, which is going to report on Thursday. Think about your chips. Think about, you know, but even like the Microsoft AI story, SMCI is going to move off of this. Full disclosure, I still have that small starter position at SMCI, which I'm exactly flat on here right now. It's exactly where I bought it. Um, so, I mean, it's all about NVIDIA here tonight. If they blow it away, maybe it can go higher here. They got to really blow it away, though, because the expectations are so high. Be uh, I mean, you could really take the level. I mean, who knows how it's going to trade today, but made that new all-time high uh, yesterday of 4152. Uh, the former all-time high was 8088. Now I know that's uh, in the within the uh, average expected range because we talked about 400 to 500, but I would keep an eye on that. And then, man, on the downside, I mean, you know, you do have your three-day low at 416.60. Uh, and then that uh, other low at uh, 403.11. So it's going to be a wild one. And I think uh, Michael Houston made a good point, with, which was, yeah, they're going to they'll come up with the good numbers, right? But what are they going to say, you know, moving forward? Can they keep the expectations of, you know, the, the, the growth that they have? You better and not they, say gradual. Yeah, better not to add those other the other synonyms that uh, that we came up with. So uh, for tomorrow, I was going to try bring a little uh, a little humor to the show. We haven't talked to uh, Bill Santiago. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, so I got um, waiting to hear back uh, from Bill. Yeah, depending on how Nvidia goes, we might need some humor. Uh, we, <laughs> and we may not need we may not need any guests uh, tomorrow. I, I don't know which way. Like people are asking. Yeah, I mean, they, everybody's they, expecting it to sell off on a hard bet. Everyone is expecting that. So no, everyone's they expecting it to go up, Dennis. That they're no, going to blow not. it away, right? Eight hundred no, price targets to blow it away, but they're expecting them to not to be good enough and to go down in earnings. That's what I'm feeling like. So I have no idea how this is going to go. It's going to be it's going to be some fireworks. I may just sit back, get a bowl of popcorn, and watch the fireworks happen. I think we all will be watching the fireworks, especially after the bell. And just be careful out there, traders. I know that Dennis trades in the after hours, but there's a reason why I try to stay away. It's dangerous. I, I game. probably will not be trading Nvidia. Yeah. I might be trading some other stocks off of sympathy NVIDIA, stocks. Yeah, but I probably will not be trading Nvidia. It will be too wild. Yeah, exactly for that reason, right? And if Dennis is saying it's going to be too <laughs> wild, 
just just a little bit of a heads up, right? Um, be careful out there, Joel. Any outlook on the ES before we get well, out of here? Dennis will be 400 bid, 500 offer. He'll be wide. 420 um, you know, it's been, I expect, uh, this choppy price action to continue. Uh, I, I like the, the close in the, in the pre-market low, it got bid right up off 99 and a quarter. Um, I think even if we take that out, I don't think they're going to really whip, you know, whoop on the market too hard. You have yesterday's low at 94.75. And I think it could be a day where you just chop around, you know, 4,400 to 4,420, that pre-market high looks safe for now at uh, 45, 25 and a quarter. Well, like always, guys, we'll be here right here. Pre-market prep tomorrow morning. Don't miss it. I'm sure we'll be all interested in talking about that NVIDIA earnings. We'll see you next time right here and smash the like on your way out.